If you're looking for the most comprehensive breakdown of the upcoming NFL Draft... No. Yeah, no. 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 I mean, those podcasts are out there. This isn't it. This no. is, however, comedy... Tragedy... Marriage. marriage. Welcome to Comedy, Tragedy, Marriage, a podcast where a longtime married couple takes turns each week... Selecting something to watch, a movie, TV show, a documentary, or whatever. And uh, we sit down and talk about it with y'all. I am Stan the Movie Man. I, when there are, you know, our films, and hopefully soon in theaters there will be, uh, I review films at StanTheMovieMan.com. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at MovieManStan, and you can follow the podcast at CT marriage. Uh, you can send us an email if you'd like. ComedyTragedyMarriage at gmail.com and if you'd like to leave us a voice message you can do that as well. Just click the link in the description of this podcast. Joining me as always is my significantly better half. Just other half. Maud the Proud Mary Broad. Oh my goodness. That might be a clue. You know over and above the fact that I told you what we were watching. Um, uh, as to what we're going to be talking about. And that is the brand new documentary available to stream on HBO Max called Tina. It covers the life and career of Tina Turner. And it was Mont's choice this week, so why don't you tell everybody about it? I'm on a little bit of a roll. You know, last time it was my choice. Um, I picked a documentary about Billie Holiday. Mm -hmm. This time was Tina Turner. Um, I am reading from the HBO description, which is where we streamed at HBO Max. With a wealth of never-before-seen footage, audio tapes, personal photos, and new interviews, including with the singer herself, Tina presents an unvarnished and dynamic account of the life and career of music icon Tina Turner. Everything changed when Tina began telling her story, a story of trauma and survival that gave way to a rebirth as the record-breaking queen of rock and roll. But behind closed doors, the singer struggled with the survivor narrative that meant her past was never fully behind her. Um, in part of the documentary, she says, you know, why why do they call it a comeback when I felt like I never really had arrived before? Mm -hmm. um, she, she views this documentary um, and um, the Broadway play musical Tina as sort of a graceful farewell to her legions of American fans as she sort of um, I guess retirement is, the, she's, she's, you know, not a spring chicken anymore, and she's having some health problems. She's been having health problems, and she has viewed this, um, this documentary and the musical as a way to sort of gently bow out from yes. her American audience. Yes. Uh, the documentary pulls no punches when it comes to her uh, abusive marriage with Ike Turner, uh, the various um, levels of abuse, whether it was emotional or physical, and those aren't, you know, those aren't secrets. If you knew anything about Tina Turner, you probably knew that um, her former husband had beat her up. Yeah. 
um, it's a big part of the movie. Uh, what's love got to do with it? Starring Angela Bassett in a powerhouse breakthrough role for her. And there's that pivotal scene where she's had enough and she runs away and goes to a hotel um, and says, all I have is my name. I don't have any money, but I swear I will pay you for the room for the night uh, to, the, to the manager of the hotel. Uh, you know, that's that's something that most people who know anything about Tina Turner know. What was a surprise, at least to me, was the uh, the abuse in her life started early. Mm-hmm. Um, she describes herself as an unwanted child. Yes, um, her uh, her her mother ran out on the family when she was very young, and then her father disappeared. He he ran out vanished and there were these children in this house taking care of themselves they wind up going to live with a cousin but uh yeah uh, and that is clearly something that branded itself on tina's psyche she talks about it even though she and her mother you know are shown together um they come back together they have a reunion of sorts uh and tina uses her wealth to take care of her mother to make her comfortable she said because she was her mother even though it was not a loving relationship not at all ever even after tina got famous and mama pops back into the picture yeah there's a tina says uh, at one point uh, you know, I've got this real nice house and this car, and and uh, sh- and her mother asks, "Where did she get all this?" And Tina says, "Well, I I earned it." And she said, "No, no you, you didn't." didn't. No. Yeah, yeah. It's like, you know, it 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 seems like Tina's mother wants this spotlight on her. Yeah. And there's no way that this child um, could possibly have uh, earned that she wasn't smart enough or talented enough or worked hard enough to to earn all of this. Someone must have given it to her. A man must have given it to her. And what did she have to do for that man? Well, you know, that's not Tina Turner at all. It's, to me, amazing that Tina Turner hasn't had a uh, life of substance abuse. For real. Considering what all she went through. Um, and it doesn't seem like she does anything. No. She did make reference to a long ago interview with journalist Kurt Loder, who was writing her life story. Mm-hmm. Um, she said something along the lines of, I'm... I'm liable to overshare here because I'm drinking, but that's it. Yeah, other than that. Um, she credits um, being introduced to Buddhism to being her salvation in a lot of ways that she just, um, she mantraed and prayed and meditated and um, drew great strength from that. But I have to say, I think that great strength was already present in her DNA before Buddhism ever was introduced to her. It, it would have had to been. Clearly. Uh, ironically, um, 
the person who introduced Tina to Buddhism, she was introduced to by Ike. She was uh, working in Ike's studio, mm -hmm. recording studio, and this woman was a practicing Buddhist, and and she showed Tina the the ropes, and and it became I think I think it's something she still does. I, I think, think she's, she's still a practicing Buddhist. Yes. Um, and for her, it has been very calming and centering and focusing um, because, you know, as it says, as it's discussed in the documentary, she was going nowhere in her career immediately after leaving Ike. No, she was, at one point she was doing, like, residencies in Vegas yeah. and cabaret shows and playing anywhere she could play. In part because Ike had left her with a bunch of bills from all the concert dates they had to cancel when she left him. Yeah. She was paying all of that off for some reason. Um, I guess because they must have had some sort of contract, and when she left, she violated the contract, so she was liable for the expenses. Yeah, he left her with nothing, and when they went to court, she said, all I want is my name. I want to own the name Tina Turner, because having grown up as Anna Mae Bullock from Nutbush, Tennessee... Um, when she got connected with Ike Turner in the 60s to begin with, um, they were trying to market her, and he's like, Tina Turner sounds good, so let's let's have you be Tina Turner. Yeah, they had some theory that it was based on Sheena of the Jungle. Yeah, Sheena, Queen of the Jungle, a TV show at the time, um, or earlier. Or a, a movie serial or something like that. But, yeah, um, Sheena, Tina, he apparently liked that sound and of course Turner because I guess that gave him a sense of ownership over her which was a theme throughout yeah. their turbulent relationship and marriage and his reliance on cocaine back in the day didn't help any of that no. uh, and to hear her talk about and to hear his kid hear their kids talk about um, when Ike would come home and for whatever, there didn't have to be anything, any particular reason. He would just pull Tina back into the bedroom, close the door, and then start beating her. And they would hear the screams. And they would hear it. Um, this documentary is not for the faint of heart, I have no. to say. Um, there's a little bit of language. You don't get... Very little. Very little. You don't get nudity or anything. No. You get what you get that's great is tons and tons of archival concert footage, mm -hmm. um, old audio interviews, um, a, a sizable amount of audio from um, the Kurt Loder interviews that, you know, became the book I, Tina. Um, also the Time Magazine interview where the initial, where we first hear about her um, abusive relationship mm -hmm. with, with Ike. Yeah, a, a recurring theme that I noticed was her hope that, okay, if 
if I talk about this, maybe I won't have to keep talking about it. But that was the thing that came up and came up and came up was that like the more she talked about it, the more people wanted her to talk about it. And yeah. she, she very early on was just like, I don't want to dwell on this. This is my past. This is not positive. This is not um, healthy for me. And it's got nothing to do with who I am now. Yeah. I mean, it does, but it, she said, you know, somebody asked her in an interview when she was first starting to, to take off again um, about Ike getting arrested for cocaine. Um, and it was like, what do you want me to say? Yeah. Um, but she, she took the high road. She didn't she did. throw him under the bus or anything. Yeah. And, she and just sort of gently let it roll off. And then Dinah Shore, when she was on her show, asked about Ike and whether they were separated or divorced. And Tina said, yeah, we're separated and divorced. Yeah. Um, you know. Made light of it. And she wanted, she just, she just wanted to move on. She wanted to be asked about her art, not about her past. The with, future, not the past. Right, with, with Ike. It's a, it's a thorough, revealing uh, documentary. It lasts two hours. And there Worth is every no, no wasted space. Um, and seeing her perform in front of, you know, whether it's the crowds, they, you know, the, the auditoriums they were playing as Ike and Tina Turner. The or, smaller audiences. Or when she's in Rio playing in front of 186,000 people for one show. O-M-G. She is, granted not so much now because she is 81 years old, um, and, you know, when she went to the premiere of the Broadway play, the musical, she appeared to need some help in she, walking. She seemed a little frail at that time, although she has, you know, been going through some health issues in the last, you know, decade or so. Mm -hmm. But she was escorted by her husband holding one arm and Oprah holding the other. That's right. And, um, you know... Her mind is sh apparently sharp as a tack. Um, Seems to be. She can tell all of these stories and uh, tells them clearly and concisely. And it's um, it is uh, just a, a fascinating look. And she's kind of a big part of our early relationship. I was. You read my mind. I was <laughs> going to say um, Tina Turner was bursting onto the scene. Um, Private Dancer, the album her quote-unquote comeback, mm -hmm. um, was released in 1984, smack dab in the middle of college for me, right at the end of college for you. We saw Tina Turner in concert twice mm -hmm. um, here where we live. The first time we saw her, she was opening for Lionel Richie. And the second time we saw her, she was the headlining act, and a, a band called Mr. Mister opened for her. Mm -hmm. What's overwhelming from her Ike and Tina Turner days with the long flowy wig um, to her rebranding, rebirth um, in 1984 with Private Dancer. The thing is, the woman is a dynamo on stage. Mm -hmm. She never stops moving. She never stops twisty, shimmy, shake, rattle and roll. She does all the things. And it's she puts on a tremendous show. Yes, she did back in the day. Yeah. Um, and as Maude said, we saw her twice. Um, 
and I'm a little ashamed to say that I wasn't in any great hurry to see Lionel Richie's opener. Uh, well, I, think, <laughs> I don't think either one of us was, and I think that we were both really ashamed of that yeah. when the show was over because it was like, holy crap, because what have we just, what just hit me? We saw her, I think, in the uh, old basketball arena. Maybe, I don't remember. Um, and the place was a, was a, like a box. The acoustics were terrible. It echoed like crazy. And Well, yeah, it's a gym. Yeah. And your ears would just ring unbelievably. It was a terrible place to see a show. Uh, I saw a couple there. Um, and... I didn't care because either time, uh, because she is so good. She's just this whirling dervish of energy with that lion mane looking hair yeah. that she had uh, back in the eighties, um, and the the energy and the the drive and and the music was great. On top of all of that, yeah. So you know, it. I didn't. I could have seen her in a parking lot somewhere and it would have been a great show she would sing and dance the phone book and you would you would pay to see it happen it's it's an impressive uh piece of work this uh documentary tina um and uh you know like i said it's two hours long and worth every second of it including the closing credits because she's performing i think simply the best is what the what the closer was over the credits. It's the last song, yeah. Uh, it seems like it's in Rio, or it's some giant... Arena or something, where, yeah. Where there are tens of thousands of people um, completely enwrapped, people in tears, um, yeah. watching her perform. She, ha she could generate that sort of uh, emotion in her fans, because by then we knew how she had you know, suffered. We knew that she was this, she was a middle-aged woman by this point. And I'm sorry, but the legs on her, um, she, she performed most of the time in like really short skirts mm -hmm. and really high heels. Mm -hmm. And she was just this bombshell looking specimen of female glory. I mean, she was just incredible looking and she still looks great. She, yes, she does. Um, she's, she is 81 years old now. Uh, she's probably 80 when they recorded that interview with her, but, uh, she still looks very good and speaks articulately and cogently. And she's just, She's just a classy lady. Yep. She she has uh, reaped the benefits of clean living. Yeah. Which, of course, means neither of us will see, even sniff our 80s, probably. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's great. It's on HBO Max. We like it a lot. And it's not going to be any surprise. But when we come back, we'll rate Tina right after this. Welcome back to Comedy Tragedy Marriage. Maud and I watched Tina. It was her choice this week. Yeah, uh, it was. Yeah, it was. Uh, and it that is streaming now on HBO Max. It's not going to be any surprise, but please, on a scale of one to five um, wild wigs, uh, 
what do you rate, Tina? Eleventy wild wigs. Eleventy wild wigs. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Sweet. It is. It is uh, like I said. It's incredibly informative. Very moving at times. Um, sort of heart wrenching. Yeah. Uh, especially once they get to the mom stuff. Yeah. It was like I was completely unaware of that. Um, and the fact that she finally found success that she found late in life she found true love true love i was getting to that yeah she, in a younger man well yeah uh <laughs> and she and her husband live in zurich. on on a very lovely estate in zurich switzerland um the it is probably the fairy tale ending that uh, a young girl from nutbush tennessee mm could not have possibly imagined for no herself and then to be in an abusive marriage to a crazy drug-addled man to leave with nothing not a penny to her name except her name yeah and then to have this renaissance um, that lasted 20 years easily um Plus, have a, a, a Broadway musical about your life. Yeah. And a movie and about your life. the autobiography, and, which came in very early. Yes. Uh, I think there's probably more than one book. Yeah. Um, I just, from even from her family life as a child, she said she never felt loved. Mm. Um, obviously, her relationship with Ike Turner was not yes. a loving thing. No. So, to finally... Um, way up in middle age, find true love in a younger man just seems like such poetic justice to me. And I think they had known and been dating and living with each other for like 25 years before, before they, they actually got, got married. married. And so. she got married in this beautiful flowy black gown. Just gorgeous. Yeah. It's, uh, of course, celebrities out the yin-yang, so. Well, yeah. She's just a badass. She is. And... I could, you know, listen to her sing, um, watch her perform, um, or just listen to her talk yeah. all day, every day. Very that interesting would, woman. That would be plenty for me, and I'd have a happy life. Of course, five uh, wild wigs from me as well. And again, it's on HBO Max. You can stream it. Um, it has a 98 on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, good. Uh, it doesn't have any uh, box office, of course, well, because yeah. it, it went straight to streaming. But Well, the Rotten Tomatoes is, is I, I do not quibble with that. Well, yeah, me neither, uh, especially since I agree with it wholeheartedly. That's a so. good solid A. Yeah. So. so check that out, Tina, on HBO Max. What have you been watching? Anything much. Aside from blazing my way through um, Mad About You old episodes on Amazon Prime. Mm-hmm big fan right now i'm way up into season five where she's big pregnant i'm actually almost to the end of the season where she has the baby mm -hmm. um also um over the weekend i watched several episodes on pbs of um a series called finding your roots mm -hmm. there are seven seasons so far um what i did was just kind of hop around from season to season and you know pick pick people I was interested in their histories. Um, it's hosted by um, Henry Louis Gates Jr. And um, he 
each episode talks to two or three people um and traces their lineage mm-hmm. their their ancestry and they do a dna profile so um a lot of of people are surprised at what their their dna makeup actually is including roseanne cash whose mother um vivian liberto was married to johnny cash and mm-hmm. um, roseanne uh, obviously was a product of that marriage and um there was an upheaval when a photograph of Johnny Cash and Vivian was in the paper because everyone was speculating she was from Italy, she was Italian, but people were saying that she looked black. Yes. I've seen I've actually seen that, that photo. That picture, yeah. And there was a raging Twitter debate about whether she was black or not. Horrible um, you know, that was during the days of segregation oh, yeah. and horrible you know, racism. Horrible. So Roseanne Cash has very stressful memories of that time mm-hmm. um as a child. Um it turns out that there is um African ancestry both in the Liberto line and in the Cash line. Uh-huh. And Roseanne Cash was overjoyed to learn that, um, and and it was a very poignant moment. Um, but anyway, it's very cool if you are interested in um, you know pop culture, famous people from today, famous people from yesteryear, or just genealogy, ancestry, that kind of research. Um, give finding your roots on PBS. A go, the and one, there's plenty of episodes to choose from. Yes, the one I watched with you, uh, with the three chefs. Yeah. Um, where uh, one was an Italian American, one was Chinese American, Chinese American, and another one was Hispanic American. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they all had very interesting backstories amongst their families, and sure, and uh, one the the Hispanic one, Aron Sanchez. Thank you. Um, found out that his like great 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 grandfather was originally from Spain, from Spain. not Mexico. The yeah. way you know, he just assumed all of his family was was from Mexico. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that was interesting, and and the fact that um, the Italian American Tom Calicchio, thank you, uh, his family didn't talk about their history. No, they didn't. Uh, it was like they were ashamed of the fact that they were poor immigrants. And had to work so hard to try to make something of their lives. Mm-hmm. Uh, he found out his great 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 grandfather or something had gone back and forth from America to his village in Italy, taking money back with him to the family two or three times. Yeah, which over a period of years, yeah, decades, and finally was able to bring his family over. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the most interesting one is the uh, Chinese-American. Ming Tsai. I'm so glad you remember all these names. Food Network, baby. That's true. That's um, true. His ancestry was traced back like a hundred and something generations? Yes. One of his ancestors, they think, because of, of the purge of uh, documents done during Mao Zedong's uh, reign... But they think one of his uh, way, way, way back descendants was like the fifth emperor of China? Yeah. Crazy. 
I mean, they were able to go way, and they even found there was apparently these these pillars, uh, stone pillars, that has the lineage of families carved in them. They were very common prior to the revolution, and then Mao and his his troops destroyed them all, but one, and this one is was, from Ming Tsai's family. Was his family, and it was just absolutely. And what they do on this show is they they print out on this kind of glossy like photo type paper uh your family tree as far back as they can go ming size was huge it crazy was, long it was like six or seven feet long it was enormous and had all of these all of these relatives it was just absolutely mind-bending uh how far back they were able to I'm go i'm glad you liked it oh yeah that well that was particularly interesting to me it's that kind of thing i just dig mm-hmm. um there were you know clint black roseanne cash these three chefs you know anybody that you're interested in you may be able to find them over the seven seasons of finding your roots mm-hmm. so give it a give it a look is, is that a variation or a redo of who do you think you are or is that just a different show i don't know yeah, there I was, don't have an answer for that. Early on, years ago, there was a show on big I, network television, NBC, I NBC, believe. called "Who Do You Think You Are," and mm-hmm. it was the same premise. Yeah, they would go through people's, you know, ancestral records and that kind of thing. They weren't doing DNA at that because time because it wasn't easy. It, there weren't these easy tests that they could run through Ancestry or Twenty Three and Me or whoever. Mm-hmm. But yeah, if. Uh, if you are the least bit interested in genealogy or uh, just curious about where famous people come from. History. Or history. Yeah. Then, uh, yeah. Um, this is very cool. Finding uh, Your Roots finding on PBS. Finding Your Roots on PBS. You can stream it on the PBS app. My list just went away. Why oh, did it do that? Poo. Where did my list go? All right. Well... Uh, on Peacock, we watched the first episode of John Wayne Gacy, Devil in Disguise. Of course, he was a um, big-time serial killer. Hashtag creepy clown. Yes, uh, who also entertained children at uh, parties. Uh, he was very involved in local politics and national, to some degree, politics. Got a got a picture with Rosalind Carter back in yeah, the day. It's it's... Probably nothing she's proud of. I'm sure. Uh, but uh, there's, uh, it's a multi-part um, series that's uh, got footage of him being interviewed by uh, uh, the FBI profiler named Wrestler, um, and talking about you know he's he's deflecting. I, I think this is from either the late '90s or early 2000s when they're talking to him. Yeah. But uh, he's constantly deflecting and uh, making. He's saying, "Well, the cops had a search warrant, and they even went under my house, and they didn't find anything." And mm-hmm. um, you know, he's he's. There was no smell under there. He was trying to, you know, he he said various things throughout his time in prison and during his trial that somebody else did it, and he didn't do it, and. You know, he was being forced to help or something like that, which, of course, was crap. But uh, at least in this first episode, they at least imply that some believe he had some help. Um, That maybe either he was being protected because of his political connections 
or he actually had help in the gathering up and killing of these young men. Yeah, that's not at all terrifying. No. Now, you have to um, pay for Peacock if you want to see more than the first episode. We do not. Um, the first episode was creepy enough. Thank you yes. very much. Uh, and if they're giving him a lot of, of screen time, uh, Gacy, a lot of screen time to claim that, you know, he was framed, then I'm really not interested in it. He was executed. He paid the price. So, But that's on Peacock, if you're interested. John Wayne Gacy, Devil in Disguise. Thank goodness. I am so grateful to the TV gods that How the Universe Works is back on the Science Channel. Have they not figured that out yet? Uh, well, they, they can tell us some things, but they don't have a thorough, complete understanding of how the universe works. They're still working on it. Eh. Yeah. Well, I know. That's that, that's your nap time. Uh, but that's on Science Channel, of course, and, and also on Discovery Plus, if you want to subscribe to that. But, of course, you know, how the universe works, uh, filled with scientists, geeks of various sorts, uh, talking about uh, supermassive black holes and uh, alien worlds and... The Kuiper and, Belt. The Kuiper Belt and the Oort Cloud and various other things. Is Micro doing the narration again? Micro is voicing the the narration um, of how the universe the new works. Episodes? He was yes, he that's awesome. He started it and then for whatever maybe he's too busy. Don't know. He uh, he was replaced, but uh, yeah, he's been back doing it for a few seasons now. Sweet. So that's how the universe works. Check it out if you're a science geek on Science Channel. Uh, we watched the documentary The Last Blockbuster on Netflix. Oh my gosh, we've got to go to Oregon! <laughs> well, I don't know that I want to go to Bend, Oregon to see The Last Blockbuster, but that's where the last one is located. Uh, it's a, um, a documentary that not only um, looks at this one remaining blockbuster, but also, what happened to Blockbuster? And everybody thinks Netflix ran them out of business. It wasn't. It was poor management uh, on the corporate level that ran them out of business. And then you're probably saying, well, how does, how is there one Blockbuster? Well, they buy the rights to the name. They have a franchise. Okay, here we go. Before you go too much further and before I forget it, mm -hmm. um, what we need to do is take a trip to Portland, Oregon. Okay. Uh, because I've got, like, a laundry list of places out there that I want to eat at. Okay. <laughs> it's three hours and change from Portland to Bend. Okay. So we could take a day or two, take a day, start early, go to Bend, visit the last Blockbuster, say hi-de-ho to all the peeps there, and get our picture made in front of the sign, and then go back to Portland and eat at the rest of the laundry list of places. Okay. So um, I'm glad you've got that planned out for us. That you. trip is good to go. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, let's both get our second shots. I'm five days uh, into my first shot, and you're a week, a week and, and, and a half. half into your first shot. We both have... Well, I have an appointment. Do you have an appointment? I don't know if I have to make an appointment or if they'll just send me like they did before. Oh, okay. Well, that's that's probably what they'll do. We'll see. I should but, probably find out. Yeah, you might want to. I might want to. Guess what? Who Guess who called me today? The doctor's office. Would you like to get your COVID vaccine? Well, I've already got my first one. Well, yeah, you'll have to go get it before you got your first one. Yeah. Yeah, so... 
fine. I didn't want to have to not drive 20 miles someplace I don't normally go. Yeah. Anyway. anyway, the last blockbuster. Oh, yeah. Uh, and they, they talked to various um, celebrities or semi-celebrities, people you'll recognize, um, who have either worked at blockbusters like Paul Shear or um, went to blockbusters uh, to rent movies everybody. or games. Um, and my really only experience with Blockbuster is to rent games. Yeah. Because when I first got a PS3, I didn't have any games, games to, play. to play in it. So I would go to Blockbuster and figure it was cheaper to rent them and see if I liked the game. Before you committed. Before you, you know, go out and you buy one. Sure. Um, played a lot of garbage games. Well, duh. <laughs> and plus... I also learned something else. I suck at playing video games. Because, you know, Sackboy should not have been that. Or Sackworld, or whatever the first one was called. Um, shouldn't be that difficult. But they're puzzle-solving games. And I sucked at it. So, I that's that's all um, about that. Um, be kind. Rewind. Yes, there's that. Um, and when they no longer charged uh, late fees... Um, the, the, the guy who was like in charge of Blockbuster at the time, who thought it was a stupid idea to no longer charge late fees, Duh. he said that was two thirds of our liquid income yeah. disappeared overnight. So yeah. It, it wasn't Netflix that killed him. It no. was just a series of bad financial strategies. Actually at the time, both Netflix and Blockbuster were... Uh, doing at-home delivery through the mail, mm -hmm. and both had fledgling streaming services. Yes, yeah, so they were kind of on an even footing for a little bit. But Netflix had money, and Blockbuster was in enormous amounts of debt thanks to their poor management, and yeah. that's what killed Blockbuster. It's a fascinating and fun look um, at um, sort of a big chunk of American pop culture. Especially for people of a certain age. Of a certain age. age, that's right. If you remember going out on a Friday to scan the shelves to try to find a movie to rent. Oh, it was date night for a lot of people. It was a destination. Mm -hmm. um, it was, you know, how they, big part of the date was actually going to pick the movie. Mm -hmm. And it could take forever. <laughs> so... Uh, but anyway, the last blockbuster, it's on Netflix. Uh, let's see, what else? Oh, uh, we also watched Unraveled, the Long Island serial killer on Discovery+. Plus. Um, it's not exactly Unraveled. No. But there are some interesting facts that are brought up. Uh, corrupt police department um, um, and... Uh, public, uh, rather a uh, uh, prosecuting attorney for this particular county yeah. or whatever. Uh, Suffolk yeah. County, New York. It's um, it is a eye-opening, depressing. It's pretty cynical. Yeah, look at um, and the thing that really kind of gets shuffled off to the one side is the twelve dead people. That have been found along this stretch of highway on Long Island. Um, a few still unidentified. Yes. Um, the ones who were identified were sex workers. For the most part. For the most part. 
But they they even found a a, a, a dead, toddler. Yeah, baby. Yeah. out there, and a uh, an Asian male who was wearing, or at least was dressed in women's clothes. Those are two of the unidentifieds. Right. So, uh, if you're interested in true crime, yeah. it's actually a pretty good. Uh, it was it was a good show. show. Yeah, it's, it's not fun. Oh no, no, it's not. But if you are interested in true crime, it you would enjoy it, I think. And there's not really a conclusion. Either. No. Um, but you know, um, Paul Paul Jensen, I believe is the gentleman's name. Jensen's definitely the last name. Billy Jensen. Billy Jensen. Thank you, Billy Jensen. Um, he and uh, he he does apparently a true crime podcast with a a woman uh, whose name I don't remember. I don't either. Um, and they are working on this story for both this TV show and a limited series podcast. Um, and and Billy Jensen worked with Michelle McNamara on her book about the um, East Area Rapist original Night Stalker, mm-hmm. Golden State Killer. So, and he also does a, uh, a podcast with Paul Holes, who is one of the investigators. Another Michelle McNamara connection. And they do a, they do a, a podcast on unsolved cases. Mm-hmm. So. Cool. You know, very deep true crime pedigree there. So check out Unraveled, the Long Island serial killer. Uh, we just, a couple of weeks ago started with Discovery Plus, so I've kind of been diving in to a lot of their stuff. Cool. Um, and a lot of it's crap. Um, well, for instance, Shock Docs, Amityville Horror House. Oh, that, that was, was lame. Yes, and it's, and it's told from the perspective of uh, what the Lutz family who vacated the Amityville house... Um, claiming it was haunted and or demonized or whatever yeah. uh it approaches their story as if it was absolute fact yeah and it clearly is not um because anybody who doesn't have a financial stake in their story nothing ever happens when they're in the house mm. um even when there was a a, a news crew and um a couple of psychic mediums and um that uh, that uh, couple the demonologist and and the light trans medium yeah 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 uh who the conjuring series of movies is based on um and you know and, and they were they filmed it nothing happened yeah I mean, where's the, where's all your creepy ghosty stuff? Where are all the flies? Where's the voice saying "Get out"? Yeah, you know, nothing ever happens. Nothing ever happens. It's like Capone's fault. So even though they give some lip service to those who claim it's it's a fraud and a hoax, uh, they don't. You know, that's mostly just discarded as being you know sour grapes or whatever. Yeah. Uh, there's a Snopes article from 16 years ago um, t- debunking all of this. Yeah. And basically what it boils down to is the Lutz and a uh, lawyer um, over several bottles of wine came up with the story. And that is the extent of the Amityville horror. Let's see how we can make some money off this. Uh, I think, quite frankly, because both um, 
of the Lutz, uh, the the man and the woman and the couple, yeah, had been married before. They both had their own houses, and then they get a house together. Yeah. Which, granted, seven, six or seven people have been murdered in that house. Yeah. Which brought the price way down uh, for that type of house in that community. But um, I think they just, you know, after living there a month, they had three mortgages. Yeah. And it's like, what would we do? We got to get out from under this. So, you know, okay. A plan, a plan was hatched. That was my theory. Um, on HBO Max, we watched Q, Into the Storm. O-M-G. <laughs> um, and there are more episodes to come. Yes, there are. We're actually, we have one waiting for uh-huh. us. Um, and it, it is about how Q started, who is sort of, and it's a look into who may be behind it, who Q may be. Q as in QAnon, yes. in case you've well, been under a rock. But there's, there's um, allegedly, somebody who is very close to President Trump, who has a Q-level security clearance, mm-hmm. who, uh, you know, was putting these posts, or Q-drops. Q-drops, yes. Uh, onto 4chan slash 8chan, um, and uh, telling people that, you know, that there was a plan in place and that things were going to uh, unfold and there were all these uh, secret indictments against all of these Democrats. References to the calm before the storm. Exactly, and the deep state and um, how, uh, you know, it, it's just insanity. Super conspiracy theory. And that anybody believes it is, it just blows my mind. And the fact that every, you know, date that is set forth by Q in the drops about this is when uh, the military is going to go in and arrest a bunch of people and send them to Guantanamo Bay Mm -hmm. uh, or... um, the military's going to go in and throw Biden out of office and reinstate Trump as mm-hmm. the president. Yeah. You'll notice it doesn't happen. So, you know, I I just, I feel sorry for these people. I feel sorry for the people who have been hurt by these people. Um, and, In a know, twisted way, though, it is kind of a fascinating phenomenon. It is, but if it didn't lead to people taking guns into pizza parlors looking for their basement, which they don't have. Which they don't have. Where the pedophiles are eating, torturing and eating babies. Eating human babies. Um, and all this other garbage that spews out of queue, then, then it would just be, it would be easily ignored. Yeah. It is not easily ignored. As... All those thousands of people storming the Capitol on January 6th. A little bit. Yeah. Uh, made perfectly clear. So, you're going to, your head's going to blow off if you're anything like me because y- you just can't understand how these people are falling for this garbage. That's called Q Into the Storm. I believe it's a full six part documentary. The first three are available on HBO Max. Um, I'm also a big fan of a service called Curiosity Stream. Uh, they deal in documentaries, actually based on facts. <gasps> I know. 
Kel um, Surprise. And uh, there, I watched a couple of things uh, on there. One is called Dark Web Fighting Cybercrime, about how there are two people in the world, people who know they've been hacked and people who have been hacked but don't know it. Mm. Um, and, uh, you know, one thing becomes very clear. IBM sponsored this. <laughs> uh, the, the making of this because they talk, you know, they have they go to these uh, headquarters uh, at IBM where they follow these various cyber threats and they and they have this uh, role-playing thing oh, that they do. Oh, I saw a chunk do, of that. Uh, where a cyber attack is being carried out on a fake company and, and they have all these people there and how do we handle it and um, Who's going to take the lead on this? Yes, and um, there's. Um, it, it was clear IBM was deeply involved in the making of this, and then at the very end, in the credits, uh, aside from me finding out that it originally aired on the Science Channel mm-hmm. um, in 2018, it was paid for by IBM. So my my suspicions were correct. That doesn't mean the information isn't valuable or um, accurate. You but know. it might be a little slanted. It, well, it certainly makes it sound like IBM is going to save the world. <laughs> and I kind of doubt that they will, uh, because the cyber guys always seem to find a way to defeat whatever uh, measures are put in place. Again, so. why can these brilliant people not use their they're genius for good and not for evil. Uh, I, I don't know. Finally, on Curiosity Stream, I watched My Comic Shop Country. That was cool. It was. It was uh, a story. I mean, it was just a documentary about all these guys, men and women, who run comic book shops around the country and how, you know, they're becoming a bit of a dying breed mm-hmm. uh, as uh, digital delivery be- is becoming more and more common. Uh, you know, Amazon uh, bought Comixology, which was the big one of the big platforms for digital comic book sales. So you can buy your comic books digitally through Amazon. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's also Marvel and DC both have their own digital platforms. Um, where you can get a monthly subscription and see everything that they put out. Um, So the local comic book shop is, is, you know, under attack. And, you know, as has happened with all brick-and-mortar sales, um, the Internet is just a more convenient way for people to buy stuff, including comic books. It was interesting to me how some of the comic book shops have evolved into other products they've got you know merch t-shirts bobbleheads Funko you know, pops other other stuff that yeah. they make money on besides comic books and some of these stores their actual comic book inventory is very little compared to the other merch that they carry while other places are purely comic books they are hardcore and there's this sort of divide between, you know, some of them take it a little too personally, I think, that some comic book shops do offer these other products. Yeah, they like offer one guy said, we don't carry that junk. <laughs> uh, they don't offer snacks or uh, the Funko Pops or the collectibles or um, or the high-end, um, 
you know, real expensive comic books, the rare, yeah. older comic books that get put in those plastic cases, the cases and they get yeah. rated. Um, while some places are sort of the Barnes and Noble of comic book shops, you can get coffee, you can listen to a concert, depending on what day you show up, mm -hmm. um, and you can get something to eat. Um, More of a community destination. Right, and there is there is a place for both kinds of, of comic book shop. Um, I have been out of comic books for so long that for a while I thought, well, maybe I'll just start. Dip a toe in. Dip a toe in, yeah. And then I, I started getting that monthly comic book, comic, uh, like, graphic novel yeah. collection thing, which <laughs> I still have a stack two feet tall that I haven't read, so I canceled that. Uh, so, really, I, I don't know that we have the kind of place here, especially after COVID, mm. um, that can guide Support me it. into uh, where I can begin. Uh, although there is a comic book shop very close to where I work. Uh, it was the place that was in our the closest mall that had that big, yeah. giant Superman yeah. Um, statue in it. Uh, they moved to to a standalone location. Oh, cool. Well, they had to. The mall closed. Yeah. But, um, yeah. I, it's a fascinating look at these various characters who run these comic book shops. And the guy who made the documentary worked for years in a comic book shop that then closed down. Yeah. And it's kind of this sad look back at... at you know, something that was a huge part of his life that is no more, sort of. Because the owner of the comic book shop has all of his inventory in a couple of storage rooms. Yeah. Um, and it's almost like he can't get rid of it. He knows he could just put it on eBay. Yeah, and sell it, parcel it out. Yeah, uh, and could make a decent amount of money that way. But he, it's like he just can't quite do it make himself yeah. uh, separate from this thing, which was a huge part of his life. Oh, yeah. Uh, but was just too much work for him. He was exhausted and didn't have anything else, didn't have time to do anything else. Mm -hmm. So he, he closed the store. But it's, uh, it, it's a really interesting uh, look at, you know, the whole concept of, um, well, not concept, but the whole sort of genre of comic book shops. Yeah. Um, it might be a really interesting way to spend an afternoon or an evening. Watch this and the last blockbuster together. That would be a good double feature. That if would you be have, a good little binge. If you have both Curiosity Stream and Netflix, you can... Um, Check them both. Just OD on nostalgia. Um, because the comic book shop may be on the endangered species list along with the last blockbuster. Could so be. It, it'll be a sad day if that actually happens, but um, people are more interested in comic book movies than they are on what the movie was based on yeah. now. So, And there are a lot of comic books out there. They still, they're still cranking out a bunch of different kinds. Not only the superheroes you know, but um, superheroes you don't know along with, um, you know, westerns and war and... Um, some comic book shops have huge LGBTQ plus mm -hmm. sections. Um, so, you know, 
if it's something you've ever thought about or considered, take a look. Look, Google your local comic book shop and, and just walk around, see what you find. Sure. You, you might be surprised what there is. And I believe that will take care of it for this week. Sweet. All right. Uh, next week is my choice. I'm a little torn on whether we should continue your marvelization or if I should move on to something else. Yeah. Okay. We're going to watch the Avengers. The first <laughs> Avengers. Okay. Uh, and uh, get you introduced to the whole team. At least this version of the whole team. Uh, yeah, that'll be next week's episode. Uh, thank you very much for listening. Please go to Apple Podcasts and give us five stars. You can, of course, find us wherever you get podcasts. Uh, on Apple, Stitcher, uh, Google Play. Uh, we're even on Amazon Music um, and um, uh, Audible. We're on Audible as well. We're so, fancy. Yeah, well, we don't really have a whole lot of choice. Uh, so uh, we just get put wherever we get put. So uh, please, uh, if you have any questions or comments for us, or if you have a movie you'd like to suggest for us to watch, you can send that to us at comedytragedymarriage at gmail.com. Tell us the name of the movie, where you can stream it, and why you think we should watch it. And if you have something you want to say to us, as long as you're nice, uh, you can do that on the description of this episode. There is a link to leave us a voice message. As usual, thank you very much for listening. We'll be back next week. Love you. Love you. And until next time. Later. Later. Yay!